check out shapeandfoster.com. Shape and Foster is a lifestyle development app that provides monthly actionable insight from six experts in mental health, financial planning, nutrition, fitness, yoga, and a life coach. It's a one-stop shop for self-improvement. The app provides a proactive and informed approach to improving your mental well-being by enabling practices and habits to be built. Lifestyle development is about enhancing your quality of life by improving awareness, identity, and potential. One community of actionable insight. Learn from the six pillars essential to a healthy heart and mind in one unique app. Visit www.shapeandfoster.com for your free 14-day trial. Welcome to My Intermission, a podcast conversation about the transitions and changes we face in life and the strategies and approaches that support us in taking the next step in our journey. I'm your host, Colleen Stanovich. On today's show, I'm recapping these first interviews of season two, which have been all about how we get in touch with ourselves and our sense of identity as an early step in the transition process. I interviewed folks about how we can find the courage to be vulnerable, about how we create safe spaces to do hard inquiry, and how we can unpack some of the stories that we tell ourselves and use our somatic responses to listen to find the answers we seek. So join me in looking back on this identity work and then looking ahead on how we can also use our roles to ask more questions about ourselves, our needs, and the changes in our lives. So the beginning of season two was all about the strategies to help us get regrounded in our identity. First, I spoke with Kate Greer from Contagious Vulnerability about her work as a vulnerability doula. She talked about the importance of vulnerability and how when we can learn to appreciate the multiverse within each of us, it not only helps us, but it helps others as well. She talked about letting go of the narrative around what our strengths are and our shadow sides, but instead embracing all that we are and realizing that if we share our true and vulnerable selves with others, it leads to greater connection between us. Well, I think early on in that journey, I recognized that joy was an inside job. And when I say joy, I, I am, at the time I was defining it as happiness, I think I've come to realize that joy for me is a recognition that I have joy in the face of all of my human emotions. And so I think my biggest learning was that A, that joy is an inside job, and B, you have to make space in your heart for all of you, right? So our journeys of inner work and self-discovery and and finding the joy within to me is about living into all of our potential to really explore ourselves, making space in our hearts for our darkness and our light, um, finding ways to redefine our relationships with our shadows and our inner critics. Um, I, I had seen what happens when you try to suppress parts of yourself. I witnessed a lot of, you know, my mother and brother, both on these journeys of mental illness, who, you know, they were getting all these medications that kind of cut them off to parts of themselves. And so my journey has been one about reclaiming my wholeness and finding more balance between all the, the different um, aspects of my psyche. So from there, the next interview was with Cheryl Benedict, who shared insights from her new book, The Wisdom of Transition. And Cheryl shared eight types of transition in our professional lives and strategies to navigate those transitions. But she also really talked about what it means to go through transition and why it's so important to have space and especially a safe space to really connect with ourselves during that transition. So Cheryl advocated that to really get in touch with ourselves and what we need, 
we have to have that safe space to go inward and reflect. So during our interview, she talked about how to create both a physical and a mental space that could really help us take the time to dig into our in-between zone during transition as we navigate it. I believe that there's a need for having a designated safe place that's familiar, that, that is unchanging that you can return to time and time again amidst turbulent change. To have a favorite chair or a place that on your deck if it's nice or even going to your car if your house is full of screaming children and mayhem. Having some place, a physical place where you can go and just be present with your feelings and be present with what you're going through and allow yourself to feel everything that's that's bubbling up because I truly believe that if you're like me you'll mostly repress all of the emotional content throughout the day largely to muscle up and 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 make your way through but it's in those quiet moments that we can carve out for ourselves where we can really say, hey, how am I doing? Why am I still so upset about that conversation that that happened today? What's up with that? Why am I so mad? Oh my God, why am I so mad? And I've come to believe that if we have a safe place, we can ask the question and then those emotions that are truly allies and advocates and that will share with us wisdom that lies just below the surface of our awareness. If we can pause long enough and ask, they will tell us, well, honey, you feel really mad because that was a boundary infraction. She stepped over the line or that person was being passive aggressive. That's the perfectly appropriate response to have for that. You don't need to express anger to them, but just registering it and feeling it allows, allows us to feel whole. Finally, as part of season two, I had the opportunity to talk with Dr. Felicia Lee about her work with executive coaching and helping people be in the moment as they navigate transitions. Felicia talked about the importance of breath work and helping people identify their somatic cues to really get in touch with what they're feeling and what their needs are. She also talked about how important it is to experience every emotion and appreciate the gorgeousness of who we are and who we have been. Again, that important reminder that we are always developing, but every experience we have had has shaped who we are today and how we step into our lives as we make transitions. By the time that clients have outreached to me or, and they've confirmed that they want to be able to go on a coaching journey, um, the change itself actually more like more often than not has happened. It's their relationship to that change is what they're seeking some support around. And they don't always know what their relationship to that change is in the moment. So there's some time that we spend with actually uh, diving in a little deeper with what's, what is this about for you? And again, moving away from what you think about it versus how you feel about it and what your body is also sharing with you around your experience with it. 
So if the change is actually just pure fact, uh, I will be changing. Like the job change is happening. I am getting married. I will be married. If that decision or that issue is just a data point, then it's really about how do I feel about the fact that I am going to be going into a new job or I'm going, I'm going to be married to this human being. And um, the ways in which we don't actually do the interior move first and focus much more on the external, that's the change, I think is the lost opportunity, but it also creates a whole lot of suffering because then we start to say this exterior thing, now it's just a fact, now I have to just manage this. And we don't actually pay attention to all the stuff that's going on internally for us uh, that we have about that absolutely influence the way then we actually approach that transition piece of it. So these and many other guests that I've had on the show have offered strategies for the beginning stage of stepping into transformation. And there are definitely some common threads. It involves taking the time and creating space for deep self-awareness, getting in tune with our somatic responses and stepping out of our rational thinking and appreciate the entirety of who we are and where we've been. But then what? And what is the transition process like for different types of changes? Well, for the next part of season two, I want to feature people who have faced unique changes in the roles in their life, both professional and personal. Why focus on analyzing the roles we play? Well, I know for me, when I was going through my intermission and I experienced professional change, at one point I thought, all I'm doing is switching jobs. No big deal. But what I didn't realize was that there was a ton of value that I had associated with my job and the role that I played in an organization. And that actually translated and carried over to some of the other roles that I played in my life, like the role of mom or wife or independent woman. One of my favorite exercises that I was able to undertake was to reflect on the different roles that I played and how I define success in those roles, and what brought me stress in those roles. So I started with my professional role, this time not in my job, but how I saw myself professionally. And I unpacked what defined success for me as a professional. So it wasn't about the money that I made and all of that, but it was instead how I felt about it. When did I feel successful in my professional self? For me, there was definitely some success that I felt about being needed by others. And I also felt success for the title and position that I had in a large national organization. I realized that those things had become part of how I saw myself, and it was how I began to interpret value in myself as a professional. I could also name what brought me stress in my role as a professional and how I knew when that stress was building. So this is where I began to get in touch with my somatic responses. And for me, there were some really interesting connections between what brought me success or how I define success and what brought me stress. So for example, I felt success because others needed me and saw me as a resource. Conversely though, what brought me stress was when I didn't feel like my support was being leveraged enough and that people, people were feeling frustrated because they couldn't get enough support from me. So by doing this thought exercise, it really helped me understand that 
One of the stories I tell myself is that my work has to matter to others in order to be important and that I have to be able to meet everyone's needs. That's the story that I told myself. But those two messages, those two stories were partially responsible for my sense of burnout when I left my job. After realizing that, I was able to reframe what I actually wanted out of my future professional role. So instead of feeling like my work had to matter to others, I reframed it and I had to feel like my work had impact in the world. So I was no longer relying on how others saw my work or relied on my work, but instead could I see the impact that I had on the world. I also reframed the idea that I had to meet everyone's needs to instead say that I wanted my support to be accessible and strategic so that I could support more people sustainably. In doing that, I put myself in the driver's seat in a much more active role in terms of what I wanted out of my professional life. So after doing that analysis with my professional role, I did the same thing with my role as a mom and a wife and a daughter and a friend And the hardest role was just my sense of self as an individual. I hadn't thought about just being Colleen as being a role that I played. And that was actually evident by how little time I claimed for developing and attending to myself. So when I had to answer the question, how do I define my success as an individual? I had to address and get honest that I didn't really know what made me feel success as an individual person outside of my other roles. And that led me to want to reclaim some of my time just to explore what made me feel successful as an individual. And what emerged after noticing who I was and how I felt when I wasn't in my role as mom, wife, daughter, professional, etc., was that I could say that I felt success when I nourished my body when I engaged in movement, when I took time to be creative, when I could explore new ideas that weren't tied to any of my other roles, but were just things that I wanted to learn about. So then when I had to ask the question, when do I feel stress in my role as a self? That was actually an easier response. I felt stress when I wasn't taking enough time to take care of myself. So I was able to take those lessons then and understand that there's a relationship between me taking care of myself and my individual role and how well I could support the other roles in my life. So asking ourselves about our preconceived notions about how we would define success in the various roles we play can help us all name the stories that we're telling ourselves and the shoulds that we give ourselves that may actually be causing stress. Once we understand the measures of success in our roles that feel authentic, sustainable, and in line with our true selves, we can begin to think about how our actions line up to those measures of success. So again, from my example, when I unpacked what made me feel success as a mom, I named that one of the ways I measure success is how independent my kids can be and how ready they are to take responsibility for themselves and their lives. When I had clarity around that, I could look at something that caused me stress, feeling overwhelmed, making their lunches and getting them out the door in the morning. So I connected those two and realized that if I really wanted to live into being what I felt like was the mom I wanted to be, 
having the kids make their own lunches would reduce my stress and would support them in becoming more independent. So it was a really small thing, but it made a big difference when we started it. It made me feel like my daily actions had greater intention and alignment with who I wanted to be. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll explore stories from people who have faced transition in their roles or help people in transitions in their roles. From the professional role transitions to role transitions during divorce to the transitioning roles between aging parents and their children. If you're curious about how you can do your own analysis of your roles and think about your own success criteria and your stressors, there's a free download of a reflection graphic in the show notes and at myintermission.com under the latest blog post. I look forward to the upcoming conversations about role transitions. Thanks so much for joining me this week. And if you know someone facing some role transitions, be sure to share the link to this podcast to support them on their journey. Until next week, thanks for joining me on my intermission. Thank you.